Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome everybody to another episode of NHLB's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. Uh, my name is Alicia Stickles. I am the executive director of No Heart Left Behind, and usually I am joined uh, by our lead belief counselor, uh, founder, my mother, Abby Shields, but she's taking a break this week. And one of the things that I want to do with this podcast is, um, I guess, share with the world all of our amazing counselors that we have at No Heart Left Behind. So today I have joining us is um, one of our counselors, Jessica Nibbs. Hi, Jessica. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So basically, before we kind of, you know, jump into our topic today, which is an awesome topic, and I think it's something that really needs to be discussed, um, we would like to get to know you just a little bit better. So tell us, tell us all things, Jessica Nibbs. Tell us about yourself. All things, Jessica. Well, I love Jesus. Um, I think that's probably what really drew me to the ministry um, is my unique um, relationship with Jesus that I share with you and your mother. And um, he just kind of pulled us together in a, a beautiful way. But it was um, so beautiful. It really was. Yeah. Um, but so about me, I have three kids. Um Single mom, single mom. I just finished my master's degree and I have my provisional license to counsel. So I'm super excited about that. Yes, I am super excited about this. And we have to tell this story of how you came to be because with us, because it was such a God thing. Uh, So our youngest boys um, are in the same class at school. And last year they were in kindergarten and um, their sweet, precious teacher left halfway through the year, which just sent my kid like in a tailspin and all of a sudden reverted back to like being two and wouldn't separate from me. And every day I would have to walk him to the classroom, you know, just hugging my leg. And there was this sweet, precious little boy every day that would meet him and give him hugs and smile at him and encourage him and try to get him to... uh you know, to be okay. And he was just precious. And so I'm like, I have got to like 
talk to this mother and just tell her what an amazing son she has. <laughs> and one thing that they always talked about was Bucky. It's like uh, like the gas station. And so one day we were in Bucky's and Jude was like, I've got to get Reese a, a Bucky. And so he gets it. We bring it to school. I put a little note in there and then I don't know. The rest is history. You finally responded to my note. I was starting to think I was a little weird or something. Um, Which is but, crazy because I didn't think it was weird at all. It was actually perfect timing uh, for me in my life for somebody to reach out and say something. Um, you said something about me and just that, I guess, something like you have to be a great mother to um, to have such a, a light in a son. He's been so helpful to my son. And I really needed that at the time. You didn't know that, but no. um, I was going through the divorce and it was just perfect timing. And yeah. I kept the note and, um, Oh, no way. I didn't know you kept the note. Oh yeah. I kept the note. It was so <laughs> sweet. And, um, I was trying to figure out what to do. I was looking for a, a site for my internship. And I was like, I just, I remember the note one day and I was just like, she, she has a ministry. I was looking at um, the website and I was like, well, maybe she knows somebody. Maybe she knows somebody that's looking for somebody because I definitely want to be in a Christian environment to get my my hours. And that's when I reached out to you. And that yeah. is, that's how that went. I know. And like <laughs> from the minute we met, I just, I mean, I have never felt such like the impression of the Holy Spirit just being like, this is your girl. So you are awesome. Like we have just... And what it's been almost a year now, right? Yeah. 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 I can't believe you've been with us a year already. Um, so okay, so I'm gonna spit fire some choices at you. Um, and it's just rapid fire answers. Okay. okay. Um, stay at home mom, working mom. Obviously, can yep. I answer that? Yes. Which one? Uh Stay at home mom. No, working mom. That's working mom. My, my wish. <laughs> I'm the like, question. which one? That's what I want. <laughs> the questions get harder from here. All yes. Right. Um, cut the check mom or do the craft mom? Cut the check. Oh, yes, sure. definitely, girl. Um, <laughs> take out or cook at home? Take out. Um, what, binge watch TV or read a book? Read a book. Okay. Favorite, um, like author, theologian, whatever. The rest of the gospel. What's oh. his name? Last name Stone. Yeah, I don't remember his name. The book is the called The Rest of the Gospel, though. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Awesome. So why, let me ask you this. Why did you become a counselor? Um, I, I don't think that I chose it. I think it kind of chose me. A lot of people can say that growing up that, you know, they're the person that everybody came to, to tell all their problems. And that definitely was me growing up, but I just, I've always just had a heart for people and, um, I've been through a lot and, uh, can relate to a lot. So it kind of just naturally progressed, but I, without a doubt, it's definitely what God's called me to do. Um, he's pushed me and given me the grace to finish my degree and to be where I am right now. Um, I just love people and I want people to experience the Jesus that I know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you're so inspiring to me because I'm like, oh, because here I am starting my master's in counseling and I'm uh -huh. like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. 
So I just keep you can do it. You and I'm like, Jessica <laughs> can do it. I can do it. So, yeah. um, so you you meet uh, like you counsel kind of the whole gambit for the most yeah. part. Like you work with adults, you work with kids. Um, wanted to focus today on um, children, and so mm-hmm. when you're working with kids. Like what is, um, what's kind of, what is important or what do you see occurring in your counseling office that you feel like is important to address with our listeners, with parents, that kind of thing? Um, well, it's no surprise that I'm a new counselor. So every day is something new. Um, but what I've seen is my desire to work with older kids, um, and adults. And it's, it stems from the feeling that you get when you're, you know, normally one session or two sessions in with a kid. And it's like very clear that it's the parent or the, or the couple that, or the grandparent in some situations that you need to be working with and not the child. Um, Uh. that the, the issues that the presenting issues that the, the parents are bringing the child in for are really they need to be solved with the parent. Yeah. I bet, I bet that can be an awkward conversation. Like, hi, yes. Um, (laughs) It's actually you. you. (laughs) Do you want to come in? Because I mean, I love working with your child, but, but that's so hard, right? Because I think, um, you know, and, and this is what I want to get in today in our topic is, is this question, like who needs the healing? Like, you know, because I think there can be this fine line, right. Where, um, sometimes, you know, our kids are struggling or having certain issues or whatever. And there's that parent that like completely blames themselves and they take the kid's behavior very personally, kind of like, you know, a reflection of their parenting. And so they feel like they're failing or it, you know, it gives them a lot of shame um, versus, you know, the, the truth that, you know, children are their own person and they're, they're responsible for their own choices and um, their own behavior. So that's kind of where I wanted to camp today is like, how do you, how do you navigate through that? Because, I do feel like, you know, there's a fine line there and it's kind of hard to tell, okay, are these, you know, issues that are my my child's issues or is this pointing to something, you know, is this pointing back to me and something that I am playing a role in? Like, how, how do you, I guess the question is, how do you know? <laughs> um, yeah, um, there's a lot. You said a lot. Yes. As you're talking, I'm thinking 12 things to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just to start with what you were saying about how kind of like the shame that you you can feel um, when your child is acting out and you're not really sure why and you're taking it personally. Um, In my mind, the first thing would be, okay, so what can I fix? And I think that's the problem instead of taking that as, okay, I see that there's an issue. I don't know how to fix it. I need to get help. It's, I see an issue. Therefore I need to fix the child. Um, And then that goes into your other, the other thing you said about the child being their own person. Each child is unique. Each child is their own person, but it's the job of the parent to help them 
become their own person. And so the behaviors that they're having are simply just their behaviors at that point. They're, they're becoming. So I think it's, it's, that's where the line needs to be drawn that the, the parent sees the issue and that they need to seek the help in themselves first before focusing on the child. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're basically, it's one of those things of like, okay, recognizing the child's behavior and then just doing some self-reflection of what, if anything, am I doing to contribute to this behavior? Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's some things that are, that are obvious that, that can't be stemming from your parenting, but um, aside from those things, um, definitely, I would definitely look at myself first before focusing on the child. And why do you think it's so? Because we do have a, a policy, you know, my, my mom feels very much the same way that, you know, in order to really kind of get in there and really see transformation at a heart level, not just behavior modification. Anytime she's working with kids, I mean, she is really adamant about working with the parents alongside of the kids. Is that kind of your approach as well? Um, Yeah, absolutely. And why do you think that that is so important? Um, we, Me and your mom have had this discussion before, but um, even if you, you are successful in working with a child or young adult and you're seeing some progress with them, if you're sending them back into the same environment that created the behaviors in the first place, you're, you're going to end up, they're going to end up reverting back to, to what they started out with, or it's just going to cause more issues. Um, Cause the environment hasn't been fixed that created the problem in the first place. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Just the way that environment can play a role in, you know, child development. I mean, I'm, I'm in my human development class and it's this constant nature versus nurture kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, we've talked about in the past, like creating that culture of Christ in your home and what that looks like. So, you know, for you, what, I guess, talk a little bit about the importance of the environment in a, in a child's development. Um, you know, that I'm not super clinical. Um, I did what I needed to do to get through school, but everything for me goes back to, to Christ. And so, like you said, like having an environment of Christ in your home, to me, it's like, okay, the environment for you to have a relationship with Christ has to be a place of trust and, and to, understand that he already knows, like he already knows what you're going to do. He already knows what you're thinking. Like, so regardless of what you think his, his reaction would be to what you're bringing him, you can be confident that he's going to, he's going to respond in a response of love. So being your, being a safe place for your child at home, creating an environment where they feel like regardless of what they tell you, that they're safe to say it or question it. Um, I think that's extremely important because a lot of, a lot of the preteens, especially just they're looking for that safe space. And a lot of times that's, they find it in the wrong places. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes the safe space is not 
is not at home, right? And that, and that can be very difficult. Um, I find, and I'm curious if you agree, but, you know, I think part of the reason, um, that potentially parents, I guess, stop short of, you know, examining the areas where they might need counseling, um, is because, you know, for some people, you know, they attach a lot of shame, um, to counseling, like that there's, there's something wrong with them and it's a lot easier and safer, (laughs) um, to fix the child, um, and deflect, you know, their own need for healing onto the kids and not look at themselves in the, um, you know, in the mirror. Um, So what, I mean, what would your encouragement be to maybe the parent or the listener out there that's kind of in that space that they, you know, see some behaviors in their children that maybe they're maybe starting to recognize that they might be playing a part in it, but they are like super, I guess, scared or ashamed to kind of start that journey. What would you say to them? Without censoring what I want to say, um, if you're bringing your child in, whatever it is that you're nervous about sharing with a counselor, your child is going to tell, if not more than what you would tell. Mm. Um, They see and they feel a lot more than you think. And not, not that your child is coming in to, you know, tell on you, but they're, they just don't have that filter of you know, wanting to create this facade. Yes. If you're, if you're telling them to go in there and they, they're going there for help, they're going to say what is wrong. Um, Don't you love that about children? (laughs) I I absolutely love it, but that's where you get into that tough space of, okay, now I understand what's actually going on at the home or I have the child's perception of what's going on at the home, but it's the tough conversation. Okay. Well, I think that it's, it's probably best that um, I meet with mom and dad and, and work, work through this with them. But then it's whether or not the the parent wants to be transparent, like the child is. Yeah. Um, do you feel like, I mean, I just can't imagine having to have that conversation with parents. Do you find that a lot of parents are receptive to that or are they resistant? Um, I f- most of them are pretty resistant actually. Um, like you said before, oftentimes them bringing their child in, they're deflecting from hearing what's going on at the home. They're deflecting uh, from things that they definitely need to work on to get healthy. Yeah. And I feel like the root of that is just the shame. So if you could like speak to their shame, you know, because I imagine there's there's parents out there listening like, oh, yeah, maybe I do need to, you know get some, do some healing work on myself. Uh, What would your encouragement to them be? Well, um, I would say if, if their heart truly is for their, their child to, to flourish, to do good, to heal, to, to be healthy, which I believe for most it is, then facing those issues, it, it, 
it's necessary. It's um, you're creating more of an issue by avoiding it for them. Yeah. I always, I always look at it too. Like, you know, asking the question, you know, why, why wouldn't you want more freedom? Like sometimes Mm -hmm. you got to get in the yuck and, and face all the stuff, but on the other side of it, there's healing. And, you know, I, I just feel like shame just keeps us all stuck when we let, you know, shame rule the day. And, you know, I can remember times, especially like first times walking into counseling, like it's, it's scary and you don't know what to expect. And, you know, um, you don't know what's going to come out sometimes. And, but like, I mean, the work is hard sometimes, I feel like, Um, just as someone who goes to counseling and, and it can be painful to kind of rip off some of those scabs and look at things that I don't really want to look at. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's so healing. And like you said, if it, you know, if it means more healing for our kids, like it's so worth it. Uh, Yeah. So, um, so damage control. (laughs) I don't even know (laughs) if that's like the right way to put it, but yeah, absolutely. Our junk, our stuff, you know, comes out on our kids all the time. I mean, it really does in terms of, um, I guess I don't want, I don't think fixing is the right word, but just being able to do damage control when we do that. What do you feel like are some things are that are important in, you know, I guess healing maybe some of the junk that we have vomited all over our kids. Yes. So I'm laughing because um, I put in bold letters. I took a few notes before and I wrote apologize. Uh, Apologize. (laughs) Isn't that so huge, but it's like so hard to do. It is. It's so hard, but at the same time, it's so simple. Like, they're they're little people but what do you yeah like you're teaching you're teaching your child humility like you're 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 not making yourself less than them you're not you're not giving them authority to be disrespectful to you they're you're showing them that sometimes anger can take over or we can be overwhelmed we can make a mistake but we apologize because we love each other um and I wrote First uh, Peter 4, 8, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah. So that love, that apology, that expression of love to your child can cover so much, so much pain. Like, yeah, that is totally Carrie and I's mantra for parenting, by the way, that love covers a multitude of sins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> friends, we hope that you are loving the podcast because we absolutely love helping to equip and empower you and your family to thrive with practical tools based on Christ-centered principles. In fact, we love it so much that over 17 years ago, No Heart Left Behind became an official 501c3 nonprofit organization so we could make supporting families with the Word of God and the love of Christ our full-time mission. Locally, we offer affordable biblical counseling as well as various family-focused events and programs like this podcast. 
and we have been able to do this solely through supporter donations. So if you would like to support the podcast or the mission of No Heart Left Behind, you can donate by visiting our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com backslash donate, or click the donate link provided in the show notes. 100% of the proceeds go to ministry outreach and operations, which includes keeping this podcast coming to you on a weekly basis. Any support is a blessing, so thank you in advance for partnering with us to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. You know, I can't remember who was the counselor or somebody told me because, you know, I'm a perfectionist and I don't like it when I mess up and I beat myself up something awful. But, um, you know, this person, whoever it was, said to me, he said, Alicia, your kids don't need to see you be perfect. They need to see you be human. Exactly. And part of that is naming your shortcomings, naming those things, um, and asking for forgiveness because that's what, that's what God calls us to. I mean, is he calls us, I mean, that's like foundational to walking in our faith is forgiveness. And if we don't model to our kids how to forgive and what asking forgiveness looks like, like, I mean, like you said, what are we doing? (laughs) What are we doing? And how are they going to how are they going to learn? But I just remember that being so freeing to me was like, oh, that's right. I uh-huh. need to teach them to be a human, not to be like some yes. perfect super freak. But like, I mean, what do you think gets in the way of the apology? Um, The traditional idea of do it because I said so. Yeah. And I'm the parent and they're the child and you know like the higher you know the I guess the hierarchical I can't even say the word right wait and I think like you you have to admit you were wrong and I mean hello we all struggle with pride on some level and and so especially when we have to admit we're wrong to our kids you know but um, the reaction that you'll get the reaction that you would get from a child that's not expecting you to say sorry it's, I've done it personally. So <laughs> I know. Um, it was healing for me. It's, uh, it's, I honestly think to go back to your other question of um, getting over that shame of wanting to go to counseling, it's like once you realize that they really just want you to love them, they just want to see that you love them and um, know that they're safe through that apology, like seeing it in their eyes, it's like, okay, wow. I need to take a step back and I need to see, you know, where I am and what it, what my goals are in parenting and raising this child. Um, and I think that leads a lot of people that do end up going to counseling to counseling, yeah. just humbling yourself. So would you say that, you know, cause I mean, I think just coming back full circle to kind of like wrap up the conversation, you know, we started talking about, asking the question, like, what role am I, if any, playing in in this child's behavior? I mean, would your encouragement be that, you know, if you were going to take your child in for counseling, um, maybe off the get-go, just being open to meeting with the counselor yourself about things? You, You know what I mean? Because I think some parents would be like, 
well, do I need to go? Do I not need to go? And maybe try to answer that question for themselves. You know, the question of what am I contributing to this instead of maybe, you know, talking that out with someone who has been gifted and trained to kind of answer that question. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. We all we all have blind spots. Um, I can counsel people all day, but then I have my own things, and it's it's possible, but it's it's near close to impossible to see yourself um, having somebody else to listen between the words that mm. you're saying and um, reflecting that back to you is if if you will humble yourself and listen. Um, will definitely limit the amount of time that you spend in counseling and um, definitely give you the tools that you're looking for to help your child. And at the end of the day, like it ends up bringing the, the transformation, like at the heart level where God wants to get that, you know, you might not be able to experience if just the child is going to counseling, you know, um, I think it's kind of like a bonding thing too. Like the kid knows, Hey, my parent is my mom or my dad is in this with me. Um, and we're all working on, on ourselves. So, um, I guess I want to end with like, why are you so passionate about this topic? Cause when I asked you like, Hey, what do you want to talk about? It was like, ding this. Why do you think this is such an important topic? When you just said that, what comes to mind is that I just, I love these little kids. Like I love, I really just love people in general. And um, I love the kids that come in and I want them to get better. But I also love their parents because I see, I see the children in the parents that so badly need help, but they're in big bodies and the pride is keeping them from, from seeking and being transparent. Like we were talking about before, um, and the Bible does say that we need to become like little children. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I would like to see families healed through um, just humility. Just humble yourself. Yeah, man, all of this stuff is just so good. So is there any like final encouragements or just thoughts that um, you would have for parents out there whose kids maybe already are in counseling and going through, walking through that journey with their kids? Um, so the, um, the Bible verse Proverbs 22, six comes to mind, uh, train up a child in the way that they should go and they will, and he, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Um, so that verse comes to mind because, um, a lot of people think that counseling is taboo. And so, it's a, it's a great thing to train a child to, to seek help for their mental health, to, um, to be able to communicate with a trusted adult about things that are going on with them. It's, it's definitely a good thing to establish um, so that when they, they get older and they're taking care of themselves, that they know how to prioritize their mental health. However, um, that verse really isn't talking to counselors to um, train a child in the way that they should go. God has entrusted each parent or guardian um, with the blessing of this child and the stewardship of developing them and um, 
and really you you don't know a counselor doesn't know the heart of the child like like the guardian or the parent does um and and god has a unique plan for each child and and has handpicked each each guardian in order to uniquely guide and develop um that child so i guess more so of a challenge to to develop yourself to heal yourself because God shows you he didn't make a mistake. He didn't choose the counselor to um, to train this child in the way that they should go. Um, he chose you. So uh, whatever you need On to do. To, exactly. And, and whatever you need to do in order to to get healthy, um, in order to to bring that child up in the way that they should go, I think I want to encourage you to do that. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think the the final, like the thought is, is that, you know, God is bigger than all of our shortcomings as parents yes. and his grace is sufficient. And he does use all of our shortcomings as, as part of our kid's story. Um, so there's no um, condemnation there, but there is so much um, more freedom and healing to be had and the healthier that we can get as parents the healthier our kids are going to be. And that will be the legacy that will pass down to them. So absolutely good stuff. I'm so yes. glad you counsel with us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thanks for having me. You the best. I love you. <laughs> love you too. Okay. Now it is time for my favorite segment, the counselor's corner. But instead of sitting on Abby's couch today, we are going to be sitting on Jessica's couch today. (laughs) (laughs) So Jess, this is kind of like our dear Abby version of our listeners can write in and ask a question, anything pertaining to family life. And it's as if they're curling up on your couch. Do you have a squishy pillow? My mom has a squishy pillow. I do. Yes. I have a soft fuzzy pillow. Fuzzy pillow. What's yep. those pillows that have the the sequins? Sequins. Yep. Yeah. I feel like that is that is a must <laughs> in any counselor's office. Anyway. Um, okay. So today's question's pretty tough. So um, or it makes me cry. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, one of our listeners writes in, um, her name is Jill. She says, I lost my adult child about a year ago to illness. The grief is overwhelming and I'm starting to think I may need some grief counseling, but I have never been before and I am nervous. How does grief therapy help and what is it like? Okay. Go. <laughs> hmm. um, so let me just put on my clinical hat for a minute. Um, just a few things about grief Um, grief counseling. So I did a little research and um, there's only about 10% of adults over the age of 60 who experience the death of an adult child. So losing an adult child is extremely rare. So finding somebody that can empathize that's gone through the same situation is also extremely rare. Um, And so grief counseling, it it's really more focused on helping the client understand that grief is different for everyone. Um, it looks different. It can last um, short term, long term. It can be, you know, it can pop up later in life. Um, but more so just partnering with 
the client in whatever that looks like. Um, because, you know, in, in Jill's situation, I don't know her, her family dynamic, but um, as a mom, she probably was looking forward to grandkids and um, she could have been looking forward to this child taking care of her um, and now doesn't know how that's going to work out. Um, she could have other children who are now affected. Um, but she has to handle their grief as well, um, or a husband or um, just so many different things that um, can contribute to her grief, not just her own um, loss of the child. Um, so what that would look like, as I said, would really just, it would start by just meeting her where she's at and, um, and just going from there and her and walking with her through her unique experience. Um, another thing about grief is that during major like holidays or events like birthdays and anniversaries and stuff, things can also pop up and just um, making sure that there's a plan in place for that. So making sure that there's support at those times or um, extra visits planned um, would so definitely be something that would, would be you, planned. Yeah. So would you say that your role as a counselor when it comes to grief is helping them process it and like yeah. make, make plans and strategies to help hope? Cause yeah. I mean, yeah, I could so, imagine. Yeah. Restoring hope. Definitely. Um, yeah. and helping the client just recreate a, a meaningful life, you know, a lot of, but I mean, that's, I can't even imagine losing a child. So having that kind of a disruption is, um, it's pretty heavy. So yeah. helping the client restore hope is, would definitely be the goal. Do you find that it's kind of common for a lot of people to be nervous the first time they come to counseling? Absolutely. <laughs> so Jill, you are not abnormal. It is very normal. Definitely not alone. Um, I would say 90% of my clients after their first session say, wow, I was really nervous. Um, whether it's they've never been to counseling or they've been, they've had a, a not so pleasurable experience at another um, with another counselor. But um, for me, and I know your mom and um, all of our counselors is just creating that safe space where there's no judgment and just allowing the Holy Spirit to be present and, and do what he does best. <laughs> yeah, he is the healer. That's for yes. sure. And I, feel, I find there's so much power in just presence and yeah. having somebody there with you to sit in your pain and your grief and just kind of hold your hand. All right. Um, Jill, there, there's something that I wrote down in preparation for um, responding to your question that brought tears to my eyes. Um, definitely, I needed it as much as I'm hoping that it helps you. Um, but I wrote that Jesus is the bridge. He stands in the gap for us for salvation. He stands in the gap for us for uh, the mistakes and the failures that we make. He stands in the gap for us as we walk through the areas in life we weren't expecting providing us with everything we need to keep going because he is not unaware. I may not understand what it feels like to grieve the loss of an adult child, but I do understand the grief that comes with the loss of the life you thought you would have and the disruption of the course in your life that you were on. Uh, 
I have felt the stale, cold shadow of death. I have felt the desperation of clinging to Jesus for fear that I would lose my faith, my faith completely because, because of this disruption. But I have also felt the relief of hearing him say with calm, confident affection, let go. I'm carrying you. I mean. And Alicia cried. <laughs> I bawled my eyes out today because uh. I remember him telling me that. I remember in my spirit clinging to him like a koala bear. Just I know if I let a pinky slip from hold from holding on to you that I'm going to lose my faith completely because this is not the way that my life was supposed to turn out. This is not supposed to happen. And him just telling me to let go because he's carrying me. It was as if I just dropped into his big hand and I, that didn't sink in until I wrote that today. And that mm. was like two years ago that I yeah. heard that. So just knowing that he, it's not you clinging to him. It's not you being alone. He is carrying you through this and he will until you can walk again. Absolutely. So just, Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer. Mm